Are you doing okay? Yeah. All right, the kids are going to stay down with us today. Uh, so we're going to be very PG, very, very G today. Uh, yeah, no, sorry about that. Sorry about that. If I do this, though, then just help the kids put earmuffs on, and then we'll get into... No, I'm just joking. Um, so Edgar said, uh, it's, it was his birthday recently, and he said to me that he and his wife were talking, and they said, oh, Craig's preaching? All right, we're gonna, it's going to go late, and it's going to be long. So because of that, um, is he, he, I just saw him. Is he down here? Okay, well, you're all going to be punished for that statement of his. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He saw I was preaching and he was, he was out. He was, he was gone today. Um, so some of you may be a little confused because I am the holiday preacher. <laughs> it's true. And so you may be thinking, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. You should be preaching next week because next Monday is President's Day. And so you're right. You, I should be. But when uh, the pastor and I were thinking who would be best prepared to preach on Valentine's Day, the, <laughs> the uh, almost 60-year-old um, single guy or the married guy who's been married for 15 years and has four kids. And obviously, um, it makes the most sense to have me preach this week and him preach next week. Because any of you that have know that have been married for more than 10 years and have several kids, there's no more love. It's gone. <laughs> so it makes sense that Valentine's Day is, is preached by our pastor um, who has not experienced the joy of that many years of marriage and kids. So, so that's why I'm preaching. Because I know you were wondering. Um, there's no holiday today that I think. Uh, is there? Is there one today? No. So I really shouldn't be preaching. So I'll sit down soon. Hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. There you go. That's like a national holiday. For many of you, way more important than Christmas or Easter. So yeah, uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday to you. Um, and like any other holiday, uh, it's filled with a lot of paganness. I mean, Tom Brady is playing, so that's unfortunate. But we can root for the righteous um, and hope that the Kansas City Chiefs win because Kansas City is a team from Dallas. I don't know if you knew that but they actually started the same year as the Cowboys and the city wasn't big enough to have two professional football teams. So uh, they moved out and the Cowboys stayed. So there you go, there's a little history lesson for you. And that's important because it's a national holiday and we should be talking about history on a national holiday. So, but there is some truth to this. Uh, those of you who've been married a long time, um, yeah, uh, Valentine's Day is such a beating, right? <laughs> I mean, is it not? I mean, this idea of romance and stuff, and really, I just kind of want to take a nap, you know? Like, a Valentine's Day, a gift from my wife to me would be like, the symbols of our love, the symbols of the love for my wife and I are the four children that we have. And so a great symbol of the love would be for her to remove them for a day, you know, right? And whatever she would want, I don't know, uh, Y'all made a list earlier. You said chocolate. What'd you say? Silver. Silver? That's what you said? She has more gold. Oh, no, 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 no. I heard that part. I'm not getting her jewelry. No. I'm talking about the other stuff. What else did y'all say? Chocolate. And what? Chocolate flowers. Yeah, okay. All this stuff. Yeah, because nothing says love like dead plants and fake sugar treats, right? 
So I'll work on that for my love. No, in all seriousness, um, I hate Valentine's. <laughs> Do y'all hate Valentine's? Raise your hand if you like Valentine's. Raise your hand if you like Valentine's. How many married people are raising their hands? Okay, <laughs> sorry. People have been married a while. Y'all don't count at all. The kid is not talking or crawling yet. Uh, yeah, so y'all don't count. All right, we're, we're all excited for y'all. We're all... We're all secret. No, I'm not. We're, we're excited. They're still young and loving. They're blah, 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 blah. All right, it's good. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Kind of, but not really. Who hurt me? I'm not, I'm not naming names, all right? No names at all. Uh, so, no, here's probably why I'm not preaching next week. Here's why. Um, so, my wife uh, hurt me. And... Um, I feel like this is a place to talk about it. So we're going to talk about it. Because um, that's, listen, these are the vows that we took, you know, for better, for worse. And when you're a pastor's wife, you know, and also for the ability to have your dirty laundry aired to friends, family, and strangers online, right? She said, I do. So see, there you go. So my wife, um, she hurt me. And um, she made me pretty upset two weeks ago. And I really don't feel like I want to tell you exactly what she did, because I'm not going to do that yet. Um, but I'm going to tell you what I did, all right? And you're going to see maybe why I'm not preaching next week. Uh, and, it's, and it's her fault. So my wife did this really terrible thing. And so as a result, I decided to ignore her for three days. Yeah, I had one husband that said, whoa. Yeah. And he's been married the same length of time as I have. So if you don't understand what that means, I'll try to explain. So ignoring your wife for three days is like holding your breath for three minutes. It's possible, but you're really close to death. All right. You're really close. Like it's probably you can do it, but it's not recommended. OK, so during those three days, my wife had the audacity to <laughs> send messages like this. This is Friday, January 29th. Just saying hi, I still love you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> After that, she said, I miss you. Mm -hmm. uh, later on, she texted 1234 because that's our time every day. So she texts me 1234, even though she knows I was mad at her. Um, then she says, well, I'm not going to say that, but she, <laughs> she, she said a couple of other things there. She sent me this really cool song. Um, I don't know if I can, well, no, that's a really cool song. Guy playing a guitar, black and white. She knows I would, she knows I would love that. She said, um, oh yeah, yeah. She said that we could go to Roadhouse on a date or we could take the kids. I almost cracked, but I didn't. I stayed strong. I ignored her. So I didn't go. I didn't reply back. And then she said, I'm bringing you food. Um, I didn't touch the food. I mean, that's how bad, that's how terrible of a person she is. I was like, I'm going to ignore her and the steak. So I didn't touch the steak. I still don't know who ate it, which is, <laughs> that's hurtful. Uh, yeah, there's a bag in the fridge. It has onion blossom on top, but the other two boxes are for you. Um, another 1234, that was the next day. Uh, then she sends me an encouraging passage about breaking generational curses. So she's quoting scripture now. <laughs> that's not cool. Um, then, um, she goes on 
say a few other things. Um, yeah, I think you get the gist. So during those three days when I'm punishing her for, which again, I'm not going to tell you just yet what she did. Uh, no, I'll go ahead and tell you. I'll go ahead and tell you. And to, she had the audacity after 15 years of marriage to basically tell me what I was doing as a parent was not right. Yes. And it challenged me. And, um, you know, I mean, yeah. So I, I, I think I'm, yeah. So I'm having this conversation with my son, my 17-year-old son. Um, and he did what, is, what 17-year-olds do. You know, uh, which means he was in, he 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 made a ba- he made bad decisions. Well, I'll let you decide if there's a bad decisions. Okay, Jacob, maybe you don't listen for for a few seconds. You tell me if this is a bad decision. So he he bought a car. Okay, that's cool. You know, he spent a lot of his own money. That's pretty cool. Um, doesn't have his license. Uh, doesn't have a job. Finished school early. He was in a rush to finish school. And so he bought a second car. I didn't stutter. He bought two cars. He doesn't have a license, and he bought two cars. And I thought this was not a very wise decision, and I let him know that. But I didn't say it in those words. There was some yelling. I may have headbutted him. Um, he wasn't listening very well, so I thought, you know, because violence is the answer. And he may have tackled me, you know? So, yeah, this is a great parenting 101 right now. I got a bruise on my back as a result. And uh, so my wife had the audacity to maybe say, hey, this isn't going so well, you know? Like, butt out. This is fine. I'm in control. I'm stronger. It's going to be okay. And, uh, and it didn't go well. It was terrible. And so I punished her for stepping in and being a mother and being a wife and being a godly person. So I ignored her for three days because that's what godly pastors do to their wives. So it's a miserable thing. It's a terrible thing what I did. Terrible thing. She wasn't in the wrong. I was in the wrong. I was in the big wrong. But I was going to make her pay. Because that's what love is. And now you know why I'm not preaching next week on Valentine's Day. (laughs) Here's flowers. Here's chocolates. Here's three days where I act like you don't exist. That's love right there. Right? And all during that time, uh, she just kept texting me verses and the little filters. What was it? Snapchat or Instagram? What do you do? Snapchat. I don't have any of this stuff. Uh, I was meant to be born a long time ago. But she'd send me this like cute stuff, you know, and I'm just like, you know, and every time I'm, I'm almost there to crack and be like, uh, you know, because she's my wife. She's the most important person in my entire world. I love my kids, but they're going to be gone one day. I have to stick with her. Really, I mean, that's just the truth. And for the married folks in the room, you need to know that. Your kids are gonna, they're gonna betray you. They're gonna tackle you, all right? They're gonna tackle you. And I'm, I'm <laughs> parents and their big talk. I love it. Uh, and no, and really, but by the grace of God, I didn't kill him. I did choke him out, but I didn't kill him, okay? Because, I mean, and it really was, it is by the grace of God, because I'm like, this is my house. You know, you're 17. I don't care how big you are. Um, so I almost killed him, but I didn't. We're, we're, you're alive, right? Tell everybody. Kind of. Okay, kind of. So he's okay. He's okay. He limps, but it's all right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, it's dumb decisions. Dumb decisions all the way around. 
Um, but by the grace of God, though, uh, he's, he's good and he's okay. But seriously, so why am I bringing up all of this stuff? Because I want to talk about something that I didn't want to talk about. Daryl's been asking me to preach for a while, and he was kind of nailing me down on He's like, you're going to preach next week, right? And this is in the midst of me ignoring her, and I'm like, mm, that's probably not a good idea. I probably shouldn't stand up in front of people with the Word of God in one hand and with hatred for my wife in the other. Not a good sermon, not good preparation. So I was like, well, I'll just preach on something else. But I knew the whole time, knew the whole time I was supposed to preach about forgiveness. Yeah. Knew it, didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. I mean, listen, I'm a pretty good hypocrite, but that would have been gone. That would have been too far. I mean, too far. If I would have had a son that I wasn't talking to and a wife that I wasn't talking to and one that I was, you know, headbutting and the other one that I was acting like they didn't exist. Like, that's not a good, that's not where I'm supposed to be. So I say that because you need to know that I'm a huge screw up, like the biggest one, you know, I'm just really good at, at hiding it or faking it sometimes. Um, but I was like, I can't, I can't do this. So I was going to just preach on something else. And then, you know, like normal, I got convicted heavily. And then I just couldn't, I, could, I couldn't hold my breath for any more than three days. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't ignore my wife any longer. I needed her. She's like the oxygen. You know, we need them. I mean, they do cause fires. And, um, you know, there's explosions. But you need, we need oxygen. And I need my wife. So I, I, I had to come to grips with that. And then there was the problem with my son. I was like, well, all right, I'll get half of the equation right. I'll preach and they'll know that my son's an idiot because he's 17 and it happens and, you know, whatever. Kids never, never call somebody that word, right? So I need to forgive and repent of that right now. But yeah, so I was like, okay. But then I was like, no, I got to get that right too. And so I want to talk about forgiveness and I want to get really real with you. And I want you... Um, but we're going to do this briefly. We're going to turn to a passage of scripture. We're going to talk about forgiveness and you're going to learn not to do what I did, not to hurt the people that are close to you um, and how to move forward. Because really, really, the only reason why I'm up here able to preach is because I had a godly woman who forgave me. Yeah. That's why I'm up here preaching. It's not because of what I did. <laughs> it's because of what she did because she modeled what godly forgiveness looks like. And I need to say something right from the very beginning to make sure we're not confusing something. Forgiveness does not mean... I gotta be so careful here. Forgiveness does not mean saying your hurt is okay or being hurt is okay. That's not forgiveness. In fact, the biblical term, aphiomi, basically means like a canceling of a debt. It means I'm no longer going to hold something over somebody's head. That's what it means. That's what it means. Holding a grudge, I'm so good at that. Anybody else good at that? Oh, okay, just me? A bunch of liars. Let's talk about lying next week. <laughs> Daryl, do you have a Valentine's sermon? Because we got one for I got one for you. Yeah, you hold grudges. I know you do. There are people in your life that you purposely don't want to talk to, that you ignore, that you have terrible feelings about because you're holding a grudge. Maybe not. Maybe you're closer to your walk. Um, you're closer to God than I am. But it's it's one of those things. So I want to I want to kind of con, uh, compare and contrast the two. But holding a grudge, okay, holding a grudge, all right, it's noxious, it's normal, and it's needless. I'm going to say that again. And if you want to write any of this down, please don't let me stop you from doing so. Um, that was kind of a subtle hint. But holding a grudge, it's noxious. 
it's normal, and it's needless. What is noxious? Harmful. It's poisonous, right? Yeah. And it is. It's noxious. I'm evidence of that. Holding a grudge against my wife, even if I was justified, which I wasn't. I was in the wrong, clearly. It, it's, it made my work terrible. It made, I didn't want to be home. I didn't want to be at work. I felt sick. I didn't know what, to, I could, even the people in my life that I wasn't holding an irrational grudge against, I still wasn't having a good relationship with. It's noxious. It's poisonous. It's, it's toxic to you. Holding a grudge is. And it's normal. And here's the part that you need to listen real good for just, just real quick, and then we're going to dive into the scripture. Normal is not okay. If normal was okay, we don't need God, we don't need the scriptures. You just need to do however you feel. And that is the big problem with morality right now, today, is that you have been told and it's been communicated that you need to do as you feel is normal for you. There's some wisdom there. If you're at the gym and you do something and your body reacts in a weird way, don't do that thing. Do things that were your normal for your body. That makes sense. You know, eat normal things. If you eat something and it makes your lips turn purple, don't eat that thing. No, so in some ways, yeah, that normal. But when we talk about morality, when we talk about right and wrong, when we talk about how we relate to others, normal is many times actually the opposite of what we should be doing. Holding a grudge and being mad at somebody is normal. It's the most normal thing. Doesn't make it right. And then needless. It's not needed. Holding a grudge is not needed. It's not helpful. It's not a requirement at all. At all. So let's recap real quick. Holding a grudge or, or staying angry at somebody or holding something over their head because of what they've done. How And maybe, maybe they've really hurt you. Like they've actually done something to you. Like you're, you're somewhat justified in how you feel, right? Not this ridiculousness where I was mad at my wife when she did nothing wrong. No, 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 no. They may have really hurt you, right? Holding that grudge, holding on to that, that, that feeling uh, of wanting to see them punished, wanting to see them suffer, wanting to see them pay what they should. That is noxious. Okay? It's normal. And it's needless. All right. Turn to somebody next to you and answer the question. Holding a grudge is? Tell them. It's what? Noxious, which means it's bad for you. It's toxic. It's poisonous. Okay? It's? normal it's normal yeah it's something that just we humans we do we do it we do it we hold on to to those things and it is needless, needless meaning it's nothing you do not need to have that it's not a requirement it's nothing that's vital for your life now forgiveness aphiomi the greek term for aphiomi this idea of canceling debt of not holding someone morally uh, responsible to you for something they did. That's what the Greek term means. Forgiveness. Canceling of debt. That is restorative. 
Do you know what that word means? Restorative? It's radical. And it's required. Let's do that again. Forgiveness is what? It's restorative. We're talking about godly forgiveness. A fiamy, the canceling of debt. It's restorative. It's radical. And it's required. Let's jump into it. We're going to look at Matthew 18. My Bible study, we went over this uh, a couple months ago. But we're going to look at Matthew 18. And uh, he'll probably put it up there. Yep. Thank you. Um, I'll talk more about the situation with my son here in a second. Uh, Verse 15 all the way to the end. I'm going to read it and then we're going to break it down. You can look at it up there. It'll be an ESV or you can just listen or you can have it out on your phone. You can just pause the Facebook and Instagram, flip over to your Bible app. (laughs) You laugh because it's true. If your brother sins against you, it could be brother or sister, by the way. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you will have gained your brother. Restorative, restoring, coming back to what's good and wholesome. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where there are two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Seven times. How does Jesus respond? Verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven or 77. It depends on how you you read the Greek there. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. If you read the NIV, it says 10,000 bags of gold. And since he could not pay his master... I'm sorry, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring his master, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him him the debt. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's like a hundred silver coins. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow, fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you, me." I canceled your debt. I no longer held you accountable. I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. 
tough words. So, recap, holding a grudge, it's noxious, it's poisonous, it's bad for you, it's toxic. What else? It's normal. It's what humans do. It's what we do. Somebody makes us mad. Somebody hurts us. We're going we're gonna to be mad at them. Kids, we're going to be mad at them for a long time. That's a normal thing. And it's needless. It's not needed. No one says it's a requirement for you. However, however, forgiveness, forgiving in the godly sense, what is it? What do we say? It's restorative. It brings people back. What else? Say again? Radical. What do we mean by radical? Well, the word radical means complete change to the core. In fact, that's why we use it in math. When you talk about radical, that symbol is used with what? Square root. You're going to the root of the number. So radical means a complete and utter change from the source. And then? Required. For the saints, which is you, and sometimes me, believers, it's not an option. It's required. So let's break this down a little bit, okay? When he tells, and he tells his disciples, if your brother sins against you, what are you supposed to go and do? Go and tell him his fault. And then if he listens, you've gained a brother. Brother or sister, by the way. Now, usually for most people, uh, individual encounter, that's where it ends. Oh, they said this to me. We're done. For the Christian, that's where the restoration begins. That's where you start. You don't talk about them. You don't go and meet with somebody. No, you go to the person that offended you. Now, this is important to say. This is to another Christian. Okay, that's the context it's within the church. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, church is only mentioned like three times and two of them are right here. Okay, so we're talking about between believers. You're going to go and you're going to try to seek their forgiveness. But how do you do that? I mean, you're going to try to forgive them. How do you do that? By telling them how they offended you. That's hard to do, isn't it? We don't, we don't do that very well, do we? But one or two things are going to happen. Either one they'll realize that they've done wrong, you've forgiven them, it restores the relationship, or two, they won't, and you go on to the church discipline, which everybody in our church, we covenant together, we agree to this. And what's the ultimate product here? That we say the word like excommunication, which has been abused over the centuries. The idea is that they're no longer in fellowship with the church, you push them out, and you treat them as a tax collector and sinner. And before you think, well, man, that's harsh, how did Jesus... Uh, treat tax collectors and sinners very well. He healed them. He loved them. He fed them. But when he went off to pray, he didn't take them with him. He took the disciples sometimes, but not those sinners. So somebody hurts us. We need to go and seek that restoration. It starts with forgiveness. Now, it's very important to say this. You forgiving them has nothing to do with how they accept or reject that forgiveness. Your relationship with them does. Are you going to continue to be in, in a, in a uh, friendship, in a family uh, sort of you know, relationship where you can call them brother and sister? That depends on what they do. It absolutely does. But you forgiving them, that's all on you, not them. So, 
my wife chose to forgive me, like immediately, even though I was a terrible person, right? But if I keep going down that road, if I keep acting that way, she's going to forgive me, but the way that we relate to each other is going to be damaged. And she's, I mean, her first love is Jesus anyways, which is uh, how it's supposed to be. And she's going to have to rely on that relationship because I'm failing her. But the option to forgive, it's not an option. That part, that's required of us. That radical uh, uh, measure to cancel debts, that's a requirement for believers. And it's the first step towards restoration. Now we go on. Peter says, now we all remember Peter, right? This is Peter. He's, he's hot or cold. He's not in the middle. This is Peter who puts his big, you know, size 11 foot in his mouth all the time, right? This is Peter who is ready to go to battle with Jesus, who draws a sword, cuts a guy's ear off in defense of Jesus, and in less than 24 hours says that he doesn't know Jesus three times. This is hot and cold Peter, right? And so Peter, after listening to what Jesus has to say, um, he says, okay, well, how many times? Seven times? Do you know that the rabbis taught that they, you should forgive? Do you know how many times they taught uh, to forgive others during this time? Do you know? Three. Three. And so Peter's probably thinking, Jesus, how many times here? Check this out, guys. Okay? Seven times? <laughs> I mean, the rabbi, Rabbi Gamaliel says three, but seven? And Jesus looks at Peter and he said, nope, not enough. And it depends on how you look at the translation. It's either 77 or 70 times seven. Do you know what though? Don't get hung up on the number. Jesus is not saying, hey, you know what? The 78th time or the 491st time, they're done. Cut them off. That's not what he's saying. The idea is this crazy amount of times. Can you, can you imagine that? Let's just go with 77, okay? Let's go with 77. Can you imagine 77 times somebody burns you? Don't say anything. 77 times somebody burns you or does something wrong to you and you still forgive them? 77? Like, really? Like, this is one of those passages we hear so much we just kind of lose... It, we've heard it a lot. It, 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 it doesn't have the shock. Like 77? How about just seven? How about let's take Peter? Are you willing to do that? Now remember, forgiveness doesn't mean tolerate. Forgiveness doesn't mean excuse. I'm not saying that at all. If somebody has hurt you, you need to forgive them and you need to be guarded. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. They're not equivalent. But that said, Jesus still says 77 times as if to say there's no end in sight to forgiveness. And remember, it's still in the context of believers. I think it applies to our relationship with unbelievers, but the context, immediate context is with brothers and sisters in the Lord. So that's also helpful for some of us. Okay. So remember, remember, holding a grudge, it's normal, right? Forgiveness is radical. It's crazy different. It is changing who you are at the very core, meaning it requires a supernatural presence because you're natural. You don't have the ability, period. You can't do it. I mean, you can try, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can maybe do it once, maybe do it twice. 
Seven times? It's not gonna happen. 77? No, that's crazy talk. That's fool. No, it's radical is what it is. And it requires the work of God in your life. It's the only way it's going to work. It's restorative. It's on the way to restoration. Not a guarantee, but that's the first step. And it's radical. It's something that's beyond who you are as a person. It requires the Holy Spirit in you to really motivate you to do it. We go on. So we said restorative. If you... You, you talk to your brother, and if they admit to their wrongdoing, then you've gained a brother. Okay, it's, there's rest, a restorative nature there. It's radical. I mean, here's Peter thinking, you know, here I am saying seven times, Jesus is like, no, it's, it's, it's 10 times that, man. You're like, oh, it's supernatural. It's radical. It's, it's changing who we are at the core of who we are. No way we can do that on our own. And then it's a requirement. We have this amazing parable. Um, where Jesus tries to drive home the point. And sometimes we get a little confused with the language. The NIV helps us out a little bit more than the ESV, but here's, here's what it is. There's a servant that owes a master, an incalculable almost sum, a thousand bags of gold. Okay? Now, I want you to think about that. You put a dollar amount next to it. And some of you are like, well, it depends on the size of the bag. Does it? I mean, I don't think it does. Do you have that much? I don't have that much money. Nowhere near it. So it's interesting. He, he says, the master says this, uh, verse 25, Jesus says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be what? Sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had and payment to be made. How long would it take him to pay that off? It doesn't say this, but it's Jesus is making a point here. A thousand bags of gold, it's never being paid. By the way, this is this jail back then was different. Than, they, prisoners wouldn't get paid. Like they would not be occurring, you know, some sort of payment. It would require somebody else to pay for them while they were sitting there in jail. And who else is going to jail with them? Who's being sold off? His wife, his kids, which means he would have no way, no means of getting out of debt. He's going to be in debt for the rest of his life. And he pleads with the master. And what does the master do? He does something that doesn't make any sense. Something that is radical. Something that is restorative. He forgives him. He cancels his debt. Wow. And then we see something that's hideous. Something that's wicked. The servant who has just for, been forgiven a debt that's incalculable goes out and sees a fellow servant who owes him, how much does it say? 100. About 100 silver coins. Is that a small amount? Yes. No. It's about four months wages. Maybe even longer. So it's still, still a little something. But compared to what he owed the master, it's nothing. Now there's something there for you and I hope you're paying attention. When someone wrongs you, it's not small. It's a big thing. It hurts. A hundred silver coins, a hundred denarii is a big thing. It's a lot of value. But in relation to the pain that we have caused Father God, however we've been hurt, it's small. And yet, Father God, the only being in the universe who has a right to be angry with us, has forgiven us. What is it? What's the implication? 
There's no debt that we should not be able to forgive of others. And that's what he says. He gets, that's the point of the two different amounts. And as we close, the master summons him back when he hears about his cruelty. And he's like, I mean, he's shocked by it. And it's really, truly wicked. And the, the idea here is this, is that if you and I are not willing to forgive, the question is, have we even been forgiven? Do you know what forgiven people do? They forgive. Write that one down. The forgiven forgive. So don't get the equation backwards. It's not like he's saying, here's a person who's saved. Here's a child of God. And then they didn't forgive, so now we're going to revoke their salvation. No, no, no. It's saying the opposite. It's saying that here's someone who's not willing to forgive. They have not tasted forgiveness. That's what it's being said. And the question is for you and I, forgiveness, it's a requirement. In fact, it's all over Scripture. I'm not going to go into all of them, but in the same very book of Matthew, in chapter 6, when he's teaching them how to pray, do you remember what he says at the very end? This is chapter 6. And we'll go to... The people call this... Um, yeah, right here. Let's go to verse... Well, I'll just read it all. Verse 9. Pray then like this. Jesus is teaching them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then listen to this part. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also... What's it say? Forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Forgiveness. It's restorative. It can bring people back. It can, it can heal relationships. It's radical. It's not normal. It's got to be a change to your core. Your normal self will hold on to a grudge. It's radical. It's different. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to do. And then finally... It's required. Forgiven people forgive others. If we're truly forgiven, if we realize the immense payment, our lives that has been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross, then we should be ready and willing and able to forgive others, even those who have deeply hurt us. It never means that it's okay. We don't justify evil or wrong. We don't tolerate someone to continue to hurt us and our family. But it does mean that I've given it over to the Lord. And I'm not trying to seek payment. I'll let the Lord handle it. Doesn't mean I need to keep getting hurt. That's not the message here, people. That's never the message. Okay? Protect you and your children. Always. Protect those that you love. Always. But we don't hold payment over people's heads. Grudges? Noxious. Normal, needless. Forgiveness, restorative. Radical, it's going to require the Holy Spirit. But believers have it, and it's required of us. And you can find many other verses about it. So, my son and I, 
I hadn't talked to him in two weeks. I picked him up yesterday. And uh, I went and saw, first I went and saw the second car that he bought because he couldn't, he, I told him he couldn't bring it home. So he's bringing it, he's, he has it over his grandmother's house. I saw the second car. It's a 1990 Suzuki Tracker. Sidekick, sorry, sidekick. Like it matters. Sidekick that's painted green with pink tulips. I felt a lot better when I saw the car. Is that wrong? Is that bad of me? I was like, he really is an idiot. But um, no, but he's going to restore it. He's busy. He's working on cars. Uh, you know, three days ago, he had two vehicles or a week ago, he had two vehicles, no license, and neither one of them worked. He has his license now and they both run. So that's kind of exciting. Good job, Jacob. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have a parking lot in front of our house and he leaves for the Navy and he's going to leave his tulip cars and but I, I met I, I talked to him you know what the whole time I wanted him to say that he was sorry to me that's what I wanted I was like dude he needs he needs to apologize he tackled his dad and I didn't kill him like he should say sorry and thank you you know like really he really should and then it hit me I'm like wait a second he's 17 I'm 40 I should probably say sorry first I should forgive my son and hope that he forgives me because actually I'm the worst one in this equation. I egged him on and scripture says not to do that. And that's exactly what I did. I knew what I was doing. I was needling him. That's on me. And so I had to tell him, I had to, I had to, I had to say I was sorry because I was, I was sorry. I was, I was, I was a bad dad and praise God. He said, sorry back. And he was specific about what he did. It was restorative. It was radical. That's not my nature at all. I should still be ignoring my wife according to my DNA. I'd be dead, but I would, that's, that's my nature. <laughs> Divorce. Yeah, right. Um, and it's required of me. It's required of me. So listen, you got a bet, you got a pretty, you got a, a pretty stark choice here, okay? Do as you're doing, hold these grudges, and know that it's noxious. It's poisonous. It's noxious to you. Know that it's completely normal, which means that ain't good, okay? Listen, there's lots of normal, normal, terrible things. Death is normal. Disease, normal. We we're, we're called to be supernatural, above normal, right? So hold on to your grudges if you want to, man. They're noxious, they're normal, they're needless, or you can heed the call to forgiveness. It's restorative. It's, it's radical. It's not your nature, but you can do it. And it's required. Restorative, radical, required. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much um, for the ability to be up here, even though I'm a sinner and a messed up, messed up person many days, that you have forgiven me. And as a result, you've restored me. As a result, you've done a radical thing in me and changed me to the root of who I am. And you've allowed me to do that which you've required of me, and that is to forgive other people because you have first forgiven me. And I pray 
um, for the people of LifeWell, both here and those that are watching online, that we can, we can know the truth and we can know the lie. And we can know that, yeah, it may be normal, natural behavior to be, to be angry, to be hurt, to, to, to want someone to pay for what they've done, but that you've called us to be above that that you want us to be able to forgive, you want us to heal us of our pain. Many people in here, Father, have been wronged. They're justified in feeling angry. But you want more for us. You want to set us free. You want to set us free by forgiving us. You want to set us free by helping us forgive other people. So Father, I pray that restore us shake us to our core in a radical transformation so that we can be the men and women you've required us to be. And over these next few moments or few days, those of us that are harboring some bitter, angry feelings towards others, help us to hand that over to you. The, the debt that they owe us, we're gonna hand it over to you. We're gonna cancel all the debts and we're gonna let you take care of it. You're going to be our emotional and moral um, vindicator. We're putting it all in your hands. We, we can't hold it anymore. It's too much work. It's too hard. We're beat up inside, Father. We can't handle it. I pray for every young woman here who's been hurt by a man, that they can find restoration in you, that they can, they can forgive, not tolerate, not justify, but that they can forgive. I pray for, for every man in here who has been hurt that we can realize that it's actually a, a strong thing. It's a godly man thing to hand that over to you and not to try to exact our own revenge. I pray for the kids in this room to know that when they are bullied, that they should stand up for themselves, that they should want what's right, but that they should not stay angry and stay hurt, but instead that they can be that they can be made whole by you, that you can give them the joy that they've lost. So all of us, Father, that are hurt, help us to forgive. Help us to receive your forgiveness and forgive others. And those that we've wronged, we pray that we are forgiven by them too and that there can be restoration within the church. That is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Pastor Daryl's down here. I'm down here. Um, we got one more song, I believe, and then we'll take up our offering. Um, you, need to, you need to get your lives right. The Word says that, right? If you're gonna about to offer a gift and you're, you've done something against a brother, leave the gift, go make it right. Somebody in this room, somebody at home, start by accepting the forgiveness of Christ or by Christ, the forgiveness of God that, that can only happen because of Christ, and then see what you need to do next. Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to do? Amen. <laughs>